0: You are Locked On Youth, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a Friday edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Brian Brown. I am your co-host with the most host uh, coming to you live from the podcast studio here at Brown Bear Manor. The barricade, as we like to call it. Giving Jake Hatch the day off today. uh, He had some other things that he had to do. I had some things that I had to do. We just couldn't get it lined up. So I will be running the show solo. We have a lot to talk about today. We're going to discuss the opening of the South End Zone and highlight everything that you need to know about it, specifically regarding why it benefits recruits and what special memorial Utah did in order to honor the memory of Ty Jordan. Also, we're going to talk a lot about some questions that you had, and I'm going to give you some answers. We're going to do our best to try and steer this ship away from any discussion about bars that are built. That's a lie. We always talk about Bill Barr in this podcast, even for those who don't listen on Ute Zone. It's okay. You guys get to do what you want. Brown Bear Landia, the barricade, it's a free country. Yeah, we're going to let people live their lives. And you can start living your life as we start off the podcast. This is the Locked on Utes podcast for Friday, August 13th, 2021. Great day to be a Ute, and obviously, Locked On Utes days are better than others. Thank you for joining me here on the Locked On Utes podcast as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're also part of the Locked On Pac-12 podcast. There's no better place to get all your Pac-12 conference news than the Locked On Pac-12 podcast, hosted by my girl. Cindy Robinson, follow the Locked On Pac-12 podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get a double dose of me on there every Monday and Wednesday or sometimes it's Tuesday or Thursday whenever we can get it done. Cindy and I have a lot of fun. Talked a little bit about uh, Pac-12 players excelling in NFL training camps. Also discussed a little bit of NBA Summer League on there in addition to talking some Olympic finals. Cindy's really a great listen because she's a Pac-12 track athlete and she knows everybody. That's that's the one thing that I've come to learn about her. She literally knows everybody. Uh, we play the Name Drop game, and I lose immediately because she knows a lot of really cool people. Give it a follow. Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a follow on your favorite podcasting platform. If you haven't followed us already, I'm just curious. Why are you listening but not following? That doesn't make any sense. This is a daily podcast. It's the only daily podcast for the University of Utah and their athletic department. And that's why... We're here to talk about the ribbon cutting ceremony on the Ken Garf Red Zone at Rice Eccles Stadium. It was majestic. It was beautiful. My main men, Cole Bagley, Steve Bartle were there covering the event. Couple highlights that you need to know. The new locker room is phenomenal. It is majestic. It is unbelievable. And in comparison to the old locker rooms that were there, even the visitor locker room is a massive upgrade by comparison. A little bit of discussion on the youth zone board regarding how uh, the visitor locker room is not strategized well for teams to gather together. Clearly a lot of you have never been in a visiting locker room before, and that's fine. Uh, they're not great. Um, I can think of a lot of places that I'd rather be. The majority of visitor locking rooms, locker rooms that I ever was in or played in uh, had lockers that most of the time never opened. Uh, it was a very good chance that your stuff was not going to go into any of them. Uh, college locker rooms are at least a little bit more stable, a little more secure. Uh, there were uh, plenty of opportunity for opposing teams and students to raid our stuff. We usually left our stuff on the bus when I played at Snow College uh, because that was the safest place for it without a doubt. I don't recall a single locker room that I ever played in that had carpeting in it. It was always tile and uh, you want to talk about loud, consider at least 10 or 12 position groups talking loudly in their corners in a tiled room with high ceilings. They also don't smell great, and you definitely do not want to shower there. Uh, there were always shenanigans and hijinks, so the U actually did a pretty good job with the visiting locker rooms. Well done to them. The best part about it, in my opinion, was posting a sign that says, Welcome to 5,000 feet, right in front of the visitor locker room. I love it. I love it, and for all my uh, elevation nerds out there, no, the stadium is not exactly at five thousand feet. For all my math nerds out there, yes, that's correct. They rounded up. It was, I believe, it's forty six seventy five exact elevation of Rice-Eccles Stadium. I, I could be wrong. Porter Larson, I think, has the correct uh, number. Um, but that was a really cool part of it. Uh, the entire end zone refurbishment is just gorgeous. Um, the uh, locker room is 5,500 square feet. They have a special recruits lounge where recruits can go and, and talk and congregate, not during games, but on visits. I think that's the biggest part about the South End Zone that will really benefit the U. Well, twofold. One, I think the exclusive dining club uh, that is, as our good friend of the program, Michelle Bodkin, described it, very swanky. I think that will be a big draw for a lot of people. Uh, I cannot afford a membership in there yet, so if anybody wants to sponsor one and, and have me as your plus one, I will let you host the podcast for a week, yeah, you can do whatever you want, I uh, we got no no ties here, and, and, and despite the conversation regarding Built Bar and what they did for a certain team down south, you know, we're open for business here, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely take that kind of thing here on the Locked on Youths podcast, but the, the Swanky Dinner Club is one thing, but I think the, the recruiting lounge, the athletic training facilities, all of that are a critical component to the stadium uh, and the upgrade. It's going to be a crown jewel for a lot of uh, recruits to come through there with their families to enjoy some time in the stadium. It's beautiful. It's well-built. I believe that the entrance to games, RIP Bounce House, I believe the new game entrance is going to be incredible. I think they have some special things planned for it. Uh, When appropriate, I will try and reveal some of that information. But until then, stay tuned. In fact, you know what? I may not just do it because I don't really want to spoil it come Thursday against Weaver State. But it was a very successful day for the University of Utah overall. I think the turf looks fine. Uh, I don't know how you feel about interlocking use at midfield. Uh, I know that there are a lot of people out there that will miss the Drum and Feather logo. I know a lot of graphic designers are probably grateful that they don't have to deal with an uh, uneven, uncentered logo. So congrats to all you out there that don't have to deal with that anymore. Um, But this segment is, is primarily about the expansion, the completion, cutting the ribbon on it. So being able to use it fully now, I think... The other benefit to it as I see it is this, like the university will be able to practice on that field and use the locker rooms and all that facility uh, the same way that they use the actual practice facility and, and training room and everything like that in the actual uh, uh, Eccles Football Center. Um, and, and that's nice because you don't have to uh, you know cart things as back and forth as much. You don't have to worry about players lugging things back and forth as much. You can stock the storage rooms there with things. You have a great training area. The players can hang out and lounge in the locker room there a little bit more uh, during practice. I think it's just a much, much better setup. The only downside, uh, the players won't be hanging outside the locker room uh, before and after practice for us to chat with them when when there's media availability uh, because the locker rooms there were so nasty before. But I think the University of Utah did a really great job. There's some beautiful pictures there. As I said, go check out Steve Bartle's feed and Cole Bagley's feed. They did a great job taking some pictures and, and checking out the nuances. Um, also, if you're a subscriber at Youth Zone, there is a lot of good stuff to see on there in regards to that conversation. Uh, I think one of the key components about the entire setup, the entire uh, a ribbon-cutting ceremony, uh, without a doubt, in my opinion, was the memorial to Ty Jordan. Uh, they picked a locker right there at the front of the locker room, uh, where they can post, uh, Ty Jordan's jersey, his, his, uh, his shoulder pads and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, with twenty two days to go, they got to see the brand new locker room. There's a locker in there for Ty. I'm reading the tweet from Utah football. It'll be there all season afterward. We had a moment as a team on our field watching your highlights play. We miss you. We love you. This season is for you. Long live Ty Jordan. Uh I have not talked a ton about that aspect of it. Um honestly when Ty Jordan passed away, it was one of the more emotional experiences in my life. Um I've been through a lot of stuff personally that was, that was truly difficult and waking up, hearing that news, having to call, talk to people, text people, try to deal with it, try to comprehend what had happened, try and answer questions for others well, was incredibly emotional. And then I had to try and compose myself enough to actually talk about it for a week on a podcast without uh, crossing lines or boundaries, um, not saying that that was difficult, but uh, the whole experience has just been incredibly emotional for everybody involved, and and the bright star that Ty shone with, you know, it's going to hang over this program for a long, long time. And I think that's a very appropriate way to remind both players, fans, people within the uh, within the uh, athletic department that that Ty can never be forgotten. That he's a part of this program. Regardless, and and that we need to find ways to celebrate him to 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 prop up his example positively to make him um, you know a beacon of what you can be here at the University of Utah, what your potential is, and how we take care of family. Um, family is a big part on football teams, and and at times I I go back and forth as being a former player and knowing what players go through together, the sacrifice, the blood, sweat, and tears, the pain that you endure, Uh, again, I said sacrifice earlier, but there's so much that you have to give up on behalf of your teammates and on behalf of others, I love football for that reason, I tell people all the time that football is family and I don't do well without my family and I mean it, and the reason I say that is because football taught me how to interact with people, football taught me how to live life. Football taught me how to treat others. And football has taught me how to deal with adversity and pain and loss and sorrow. And uh, at times, I wonder if people really understand how much players go through. But at other times, I realize that doesn't matter. Because when you're a player, you represent something bigger than your own needs, wants, and desires. And you represent those of other people. And you represent uh, an opportunity to enjoy uh, something beautiful and, and the hard work of others and the opportunity to be inclusive and, and to celebrate with people that you maybe know and maybe don't know. And and all those aspects, those good, powerful, positive things with football, I think are all exemplified in what the University of Utah is trying to do by honoring Ty Jordan's memory. And this season is going to be emotional for all of us. Uh, there's no doubt and I will shed many a tear. Um I try to uh be careful when I talk about it um but I, I also think for the football team itself for the University of Utah for those for those players it, it's going to be an emotional experience. Um it is so hard to lose a teammate. Uh even when it's just the things like um ineligibility. I remember uh, a teammate of mine had gotten injured during the season, and the number of tears and the nights that we had to spend together—you know—just hoping for updates and and trying to console one another. And there are going to be a lot of powerful moments, and you know, I think you have to find a balance between wanting to honor the memory uh, of of your lost brother and also of of handling your business and taking care of your job and 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 doing what's what's right, you know, to also honor his memory. And so, I'm just really proud. Of what the University of Utah has done. I'm not part of the program. I'm not part of anything up there. You know, I, I, I did attend the University of Utah at one point in time. Um, but I'm just proud because it's good for society. Um, and that's a little bit too far out of my soapbox. Uh, especially on a what is primarily an athletics podcast. But um, probably the uh, most touching moment of the entire stadium unveiling that. And, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention... The contribution of, of a Bob Garf Memorial there and everything that, that he did for the University of Utah and, and for enabling um, the entire project to happen, for enabling so many things to happen in terms of athletics at the University of Utah. I believe firmly in athletics. I think everybody in the, who listens to this podcast does as well. Bob Garf has done a ton to enable athletics to continue and grow at the University of Utah. And so that is a great tribute to him that is completed, that he can uh, now... Uh, uh, watch over unofficially uh, what he was uh, what he started there with the south end zone and the Ken Garf performance zone so uh, really great day for the University of Utah overall a lot of great uh, articles out there I specifically would uh, point you to utahutes.com the communication staff up the University of Utah, spe- specifically Paul Kirk, Jordy Lindley, do an incredible job. Very grateful for them. They have done a lot of good things for your guy here, in enabling Locked On Utes to have a great presence here and to, uh, you know, to promote the goodness that is the University of Utah Athletics. We're not here for a long time, but we are here for a good time. You know, I am a full-blown subscriber to Dan Sorensen's team fun, so. Uh, Huge thanks to them for allowing us to uh, celebrate that as well. Coming up next, I'm going to answer your questions with excellent answers. As I said, I'm going to answer your questions because that's what we do on Q&A days. Uh, Doing it here on a Friday simply because there's so much this week to to go over and and to walk through. Uh, So we'll get to those. But I wanted to talk to you about my new favorite sponsor, Sweatblock. Here's what you need to know. Sweatblock wipes, doctor created, doctor recommended. They work up to seven days per use. Dry shirt guarantee. If sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. Featured and tested on The Rachel Ray Show by Firefighters. And let me tell you, if there's anybody that understands heat better than the Brown Bear, it's probably Firefighters. It is a bestseller on Amazon for the past 10 years. Over 13,000 reviews. I'm sure most of those are much better than sugar-free gummy bears. Manufactured in the USA. The best part about sweat block, it allows you to wear what you want to wear. Your little secret to confidence. This is a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag. Whether it's a big presentation or a hot date, everyone can benefit. Uh, I am a perfect example of how this product can make you look and feel And behave way better than you deserve. Because I am a sweaty gentleman. And even though I eat Bilt Bar to try and stay healthy, uh, the the sweat sometimes breaks through when it gets a little too hot. Or even now and then when maybe I stink a little treat. Uh, But the best part about Sweat Block is it is stronger and more effective than clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night before bedtime. You go to bed. The next morning you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat. Guaranteed. I know it sounds too good to be true. Uh, but I literally have to use sweatblock once or twice a week and it keeps me dry the whole time. No more pitting out, no more picking my shirts based on which one will hide sweat better, no more having to use the awful underarm uh, antiperspirant that stains your shirts and doesn't really work and makes you feel weird and funky and all those kinds of things. If you or someone you love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code locked on or at Amazon or CVS. That is Sweatblock. Com. Back here on the Locked On Youths podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Brian Brown. I'm coming to you from my comfy chair here in the barricade, uh, just hanging out, trying to talk some football, trying to make it through the week. It is Friday, we're, we're almost uh, to the weekend. I'm trying to start your weekendishness off right. Best way I know to do that is to answer Q&As. We're going to get to our very first question from uh, Roz in real life. Don't know who that is. Um, I don't actually have a question. I just wanted attention and to use this gif. It is a gif of Keely from Ted Lasso raising her hand. Uh, Can you elaborate? Oh, nope, nope. I cannot. I cannot. Thank you for the non-question, Ms. Roz. Appreciate that. Moving on. Good friend of the program, at Swat Mary. I want Bryson Barnes updates. How is he progressing? Any chance he sees the field at Utah? Any 1A kid playing in a P5 has my interest. Love me some Bryson Barnes. Uh, I have not heard any updates from about him through fall camp. What I can say is that a kid that they gave a shot to walk on at the University of Utah has really impressed the coaching staff and his teammates, I hope it doesn't come to the fact to where Bryson Barnes actually has to play in a game this year. If it does, I am very confident that he will do his best. Uh, That being said, he is probably progressing better than expected. And I think that's a positive update and a positive sign for him. Uh, Bryson Barnes is a small school kid, but set all sorts of records. And it was just an absolute treat to watch in high school. He can do it with his arm. He can do it with his legs. I don't know that he's quite on the level of Drew Lisk in terms of like uh, my love and adoration for him. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I don't know if he ever sees the field. Yeah, he's going to see the field at some point. As long as he stays at Utah, I think that's the bigger question is, you know, how long does he stay at Utah? Is he going to want to stay there for three or four or five years? Or is he going to want to try and go somewhere where he can play? You know, he's a perfect candidate to go to a JUCO or a D1A and, and or 1AA, sorry, FCS school um, to try and do a bounce back if that's what he's really interested in. Now, if he wants to stay at the University of Utah, let him stay. He'll definitely see the field at some point in time. He, he could also play some safety, although from what I've heard, like they really liked what he did at quarterback. Anyways, that's a lot of talk about Bryson Barnes. Not a bad thing necessarily. I do love me some Bryson Barnes. At the Utah man, how has Bryson Reeves, Makai Cope, and Money Parks looked? Does Connor O'Toole get playing time this year? So, out of all those names, I think that Connor O'Toole is the one that is likely impressed Coach Bumpfist the most. Uh, Bryson Reeves, Makai Cope, Money Parks, Money Parks. The uh, the scoop on him is just still trying to get the nuances of the offense. But he does have the athleticism, the explosion, the twitch. We may see him in some package stuff, and I wouldn't be surprised to hear that he's doing some specialist work as well. Uh, he really has the potential to be there. The fascinating part about it is a lot of these guys get a fresh, clean slate with uh, Chad Bumfus, and that really opens things up, um, I think, for guys to either make moves or, or regress. Now, again, they've only been in pads for a little less than a week. And I do believe that they took a lot of time off on Thursday because of the ribbon cutting and whatnot. I could be wrong with that. Um, I think Connor O'Toole, it's going to be hard for him to see the field. I'll just be honest. Uh, You're going to have Theo Howard, um, Meneer McLean, uh, Solo Enos, Devon Vele, uh, Britt Covey, uh, Jalen Dixon. There's six right there. And then you've got four tight ends. We've already heard. Talk about Dalton Kincaid and and Thomas Yasmin who can split out. So like you you essentially have your eight wide receivers already. So I don't know that we'll see O'Toole getting playing time. Like in the heat of battle, he may get a couple plays here and there. Um But yeah, I I just I, iffy. You know, I, I, a lot of these guys will get. You know, we'll see all these guys probably against Weaver State. So that's kind of where it stands, but it's a good sign that he's healthy, it's a good sign that he's making progress, and it's a good sign that Chad Montfus is pointing him out. Maybe he does make progress in the next two weeks and, and, and gets in the rotation somehow. Also from our friend at the underscore Utah man, do you think Scally has the ability to level up the program even another notch when he inevitably takes over? I don't know that it's inevitable anymore after what happened last summer. Um, I also don't know that... <clears throat> The history for Mark Harlan and making hires is to make hires that he wants and hires that he uh, he he vets. So I, I don't know if Mark's going to try and do that if he's still the AD when Kyle Whittingham retires. Uh, who knows when Whittingham's going to retire? Now he seems to be having an absolute blast and and is in really good straights and, and good moves, mood in, in, up at practice and everything like that. So maybe he's decided to tack on another year or so. So I do not think it is inevitable, number one. Number two, I think I think he has some aspects to his personality and his abilities that would level up a program like the University of Utah, but I also don't ever want to overshadow what Kyle Whittingham has done and, and how great Kyle Whittingham has become. There are not a lot of coaches on the face of the planet that evolve and progress the way that Kyle has at his age. Uh, especially at this stage in their career, most coaches get more dug in to what they want to do. Kyle has evolved; he's become more of an analytic snob. Uh, maybe "snob" is a, a strong word, but a consultant—you know—he incorporates a lot of analytics. He's he's pivoted on his recruiting. He's become a little bit more uh, charismatic in his public comments. Um, you know, and and just in general has really. Adapted to the modern day game and and been progressive, and I think that's something to be celebrated. I think Morgan Scally would still have a lot to learn in that regard, uh, just just because there's things that you learn as a head coach. Now that being said, I think Scally has a lot of the things that Kyle um, had to develop. So, and plus, you've had Kyle Whittingham, John Peace, uh, Kalani Sataki, Jay Hill, uh, all as your mentors and or co workers for a long, long time that you're you're bound to get. Some really good stuff from all of them, too. So, at Peace Love Utes, what up? Shout out. Utah football has the longest active streak for consecutive seasons with a pick six. Which defensive backs will have them this year? In which games outside of the in state game will they happen? Shout out to the in state game rivalry shade being thrown there. My bet is going to be either JT Broughton or Vontae Davis. Now, I think the tricky part about this. Or the interesting part about it is that Utah's going to play a little bit more man. And so if that's the case, your your outside guys, who most likely are going to be JT Broughton and Clark Phillips, probably won't have as much opportunity to make plays on the ball. Now, I do believe that Utah's likely to play more cover three and maybe even some, some cover four here. I've heard whispers of that over the year, that they wanted to adapt to a little bit more quarters coverage. I haven't really seen it a ton. If they do play some zone, that will allow your outside corners to be a little bit more uh, judicious with their gambles. Um, I think a sneaky under-the-radar under, under the radar, uh, uh, guy for that would either be Mateo- Malone Mataele or Devin Lloyd. Um, I know Devin Lloyd's not a defensive back, but I think Malone's a guy who is going to be in the midst and in the middle of a lot of coverages against tight ends and whatnot, just where he lines up and, and who he goes up against. Over the middle is so much easier, and, and you're usually going to see a lot of pick sixes, I think, take place off of tipped passes uh, with his position on the field, the way he plays. I do think that that gives him a little bit of an edge there too. My guy at the Utah Man rolling out the questions, does Bam have the ability to be an all-conference tackle? Does he have the ability? Yes. Are there spots available for him? That's going to remain to be seen. There's a lot of really good tackles in this conference. Like Sean Ryan is – uh, I know that Panay Sewell got a lot of run around here locally, but Sean Ryan is just as good as well, maybe not just as good, but is is almost as impressive as Panay Sewell. Uh, I can't remember the name of the tackle up at Washington off the top of my head um he's another really good one. there's a lot of good tackles in this conference, so um the ability is there definitely um will he evolve and will the experience follow It's a good question at Qbeam stuff. Thoughts on the O-line. Will it be improved from last year? Can it hold its own with elite defenses? I do believe it's going to be improved from last year, and I do believe that it can hold its own with elite defenses. I think a lot of what we talk about, and I think Kayvon Thibodeau is a a perfect example of it, right? Because Utah's down by 20 points or however much it is in the Pac-12 championship game. And so what is his responsibility? It's to cause chaos. He gets to do the one thing that he does better than anything else. It's like a one-on-one drill for him where all he has to do is just rush around the quarterback. He doesn't have any responsibility in that respect. And that's the kind of stuff that we tend to point at and say, oh, well, we couldn't stop him then. And it's like, yeah, he did that in the second half, and especially in the later part of the game where Utah basically had to throw the ball to try and get ahead. Um, it doesn't mean that Utah was completely you know, dominant on in blocking him earlier, but that, those kinds of opportunities, when you have to play from behind and there are really good elite defenders across from you, they really do uh, favor the defenders in that respect. Um, having said all that, I do think that the offensive line will improve. Uh, I don't know if anybody else noticed, but they posted the highlights the other day, and the, uh, the biggest or the longest highlight that I saw of the offensive line was them working on stunts and blitz pickups. So they heard y'all. They are working on it. You know, it remains to be seen how they game plan, how the game plans are managed, and how guys evolve, and how they stay healthy. You know, like if Nick Ford gets hurt, that really impacts the offensive line. So, um, but I do believe that they're going to be improved. Like, S- Satao Lomea, only way to go is up. You know, I, I think Sammy Mimala looks like he's in better shape. Obviously, we've heard a ton about Bam. And uh, it does look like uh, Braden Daniels and – and um Keaton Bills right now are neck and neck in that battle, but that's not the worst thing to have two starter caliber guys. So, as far as questions go, we're going to leave some of them for the other side because we're going to talk about bet online the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball just wrapped up at the Field of Dreams. Hopefully you got your prop bets on that. Plenty of Summer League games going on, and football is around the corner. It is the perfect time to go to betonline.ag. Sign up for an account. You can use your phone. You can use your mobile device. You can use your laptop. You can use your desktop. You can use whatever top you want. You can use a pigeon that is trained to go to the library and peck out using its beak on a keyboard, all the information that you need to sign up for Bet Online. Now, that would be a really extreme example, but you can do that because Bet Online makes it that easy. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. It's your chance to get in the game. Go to the website, promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Start earning them Skittles, betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Yes, I'm still going to talk about Bill Bar. Yes, I saw the news from yesterday. No, I'm not going to mention the school that they are uh, supposedly doing stuff for because I really don't care. I still like Bill Bar. Like Bill Bar isn't going to stop being delicious. It's not going to stop having 19 grams of protein in it. Uh, it's not going to stop having four or five grams of sugar. It's not going to stop having amazing flavors. Uh, it's not going to have stop having a so to speak sticky interior. Uh, I'm not so sure about that one, um, but yeah, I, I'm still going to love eating an orange Bilt I had two yesterday. I had a Cherry Bar on top of that. Um, I'm trying to save my Grasshopper cookie because who knows when they're coming back. And also, they always churn out these really delicious flavors. Um, there's a couple I've had that, like, we still haven't even seen. It. I got my box of Rocky Road the other day. That one's pretty good. I don't know if it's a top five flavor yet, but, like, it's a nice change of pace. As I mentioned, built bars taste great and they're healthy. You know, Uh, 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories anywhere from 130 to 180, five grams of sugar, five grams of net carb. I'm not saying that if you eat only built bar that you're gonna look like Caleb Dressel, but they do sponsor the U.S. track and field team. That's pretty neat. So go to builtbar.com, go to built.com. Excuse me. Use the promo code locked15. You'll get 15% off your order. That's built bar. That's built boost. That's built broth all the built products. So locked on or locked 15 promo code for 15% off at built.com. Back at it, answering your questions here on the locked on Utes podcast. We're going to jump right into it. We still got a couple questions left uh, at D right D underscore right. 45 asks, what's your analysis on filling and Carlton? What do they each bring? Where do they differ from each other? Uh, Uh, analysis Um, I mean they're both really good and and at such a young age they're they're really being explosive I know that Van worked really hard over the summer to to drop some weight and work on his nutrition Uh, Xavier Carlton still filling out but he just has elite um, gifts physically he is so long and so good with his hands and he's really gotten uh, targeted with how he uses his punch and his initial blows. There's one play in in spring ball that just sticks out over my mind. Uh, Falcon Kalmatule, who looks like he was built to play football. He's a first-off-the-bus kind of guy. Uh, Falcon's got really long arms, and and it really helps him as an offensive lineman. And X just got right into him from the jump and just overpowered him, and that's where his skill set can really shine. He's also really strong. Uh, He's still a little... uh, I guess I could say lean in his frame. Like he still doesn't look like, like he's not yoked out, I guess is the best way to put it. Like he still looks like he's maturing into uh, his size, which is incredible. Van is a little bit more twitchy, has a little bit more explosion, and he is just an absolute beast in the weight room. Um, I think that's kind of what they bring. Xavier brings a little bit more presence. They They both need more experience and really need to kind of lock in and hone in on, uh, the technical aspect of it and, and really knowing their assignments, that'll be the biggest part about it. Um, but they do have a very good contrasting skill set. I would also say, don't count out Mickey Sugaturaga in that one. I love Mickey's game. Um, he kind of is a mesh between the two of them. So uh, Does Tavian Thomas take over the starting job at some time this season? I don't know. Um, I think the interesting part about Thomas is that he's so versatile that I don't know that you need to start him. Uh, in the backfield, but he there's a good chance. And, and here's the other thing: we talk about starting, but I think really what we mean is bulk of reps, right? The, the, we want him getting the most handoffs and most touches and everything like that. Is that possible? Yeah, but also no. Like, like I just don't know how you say no to all the collection. Like, uh, where does he get all those wonderful toys? Right? Like, like you got so much cool stuff. Like, give me the NCAA football game of this already with Utah's backfield because I've got plays in my head. I want to draw them up. I want to play them. I want to use them. It's awesome. Um, so, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think he, he carries the bulk of the load. If Utah makes it to the Rose Bowl, does it w- retire? What if we win the Rose Bowl? I think that's a $64,000 question. Uh, but I also think that there's probably a good chance – um that uh something like that may happen if Utah really has a spectacular season uh, simply because I know that Witt is has been planning on it however like i said Kyle's been in the best mood that i've seen in a long time this team is really really good and if they find a way to hit their stride and most of those guys are coming back next season like how are you going to say no to that you know and they're having an incredible recruiting class and they're getting closer and closer Year by year, game by game, to that fifty percent blue chip ratio, and we all know what that means. When you get to the ratio, it gives you that much more opportunity to make it to the playoffs. So interesting. Inch. I would have said previously, yes, hundred percent. Having been around Wit and interacted with him a little bit lately, I don't know so much anymore. At Doctor Ute fan finishing the second week of camp. I know they won't release who the starting QB is, but we know if they they have at least made a decision. If they haven't, is it likely they will within the week to give the starter at least two weeks of starter reps, if not more? So here's the thing. (sighs) They don't have to make a decision in order to give guys starter reps. Um, Basically, I think what the biggest thing is, and and this is going to be an advantage that I think COVID has given uh, some teams, is that they can learn to split reps. And the other thing is that the depth that Utah has right now, they could run two teams at once if they need to. Like They could go ones and twos and twos on ones and and really split things up. They have plenty of space to do it in. So I don't know that the reps uh, come with determining a starter. Uh, Do I think they've made a decision? No, but I think they're pretty solid in what they want to do. And it would take a lot from Cam Rising to unseat Charlie Brewer, but they had to give him a shot, and uh, they're going to do that. And I think the longer... Let me say this: I think the longer that this decision goes on, the better it is for the team, the better it is for both the quarterbacks involved, uh, because it means that they're competing and it means that the coaching staff's actually giving them a, a, a fair shot. I would wager that if you would pull, if you could pull the players aside privately, most of them would tell you who they think the quarterback is going to be, and probably most would say Charlie Brewer. But that's just a guess on my part. At Dallas, Dallas Nelson, 35. Dallas, first off, congratulations! Great win for your White Sox tonight. Dallas says, since Tim Anderson just gave us the best ending to any novelty-themed sports sports game we've had, what would be the best football version of a Field of Dreams game or Winter Classic in hockey, etc.? And what would be the dream ending of said game? I don't know about the dream ending. Um, The two that I've discussed, I would love to see a Friday Night Lights game for the NFL uh, being played at Odessa Permian there in Odessa, Texas. That would be really great. Uh, the other one is if you've never heard about the Barrel Alaska football team and the Barrel Alaska football field, um, they built a field on the ocean, basically. Uh, it, it's kind of a cool story, and that would be another one that I'd love to see. Uh, I also would be curious to see like a football game on a boat or something like that, like an aircraft carrier. Maybe that's like way too extreme, but you think with what they can do with turf, they could throw one of those down on an aircraft carrier. Uh, How many players on this current roster do you see going to the NFL? A lot. Like, I mean, they already had five or six named to the Reese's preseason watch list, and there's more to come if they want to go. Uh, Good, good friend of the program, Matt Highlights You, When they're done, where will the LB tandem of Sewell and Lloyd rank in the recent line of great LB duos? I think it'll be slightly behind Chase Hansen and Cody Barton. Uh, Not for lack of production or lack of ability or anything like that, but just because I think Chase and Cody stood out so much more on that team because we really hadn't seen a linebacker duo like that. Now, having said that, I think that Devin Lloyd, there are two players that I'm super, super high on this year, Devin Lloyd and Mika Tafua. And if those two dudes don't have just absolutely outstanding, impactful, amazing seasons this year, I may have to eat my hat or get – you know, uh, somebody to make me a cake that looks like a hat. That would be great, too. I don't know if anybody out there can do that. If they can, I would love that. At RobR0013, uh, Punch Man, Punch Man. With the punt team looking shaky this season, what's the per game over under on Wit going for it on fourth down? This is an interesting question, and I will say it because of this. I don't know that the punting game being shaky necessarily influences Witt's decision to go for it on a fourth down as much as that fancy booklet that uh, former director of football operations, now associate AD of football operations, uh, Jeff Rudy used to hold behind the side. That. I'm very curious, and I need to dig deeper on this and talk to sources to find out if Jeff Rudy is actually going to be holding the book of stats behind Kyle Whittingham this offseason. Um, I uh, that's probably the bigger determinant is situation and and how they feel and, and and what the game plan dictates and things like that. I think that would be more influential really than just having a shaky punning game. Where I do think it becomes more influential going for it on fourth down is in field goal situations, especially if you have a kicker who can't kick it from deep. Um, Will be it'll be fascinating to see. Um, and I like punting is about flipping the field and like. Going for it on the twenty or the thirty yard line, like that's just never going to change, right? So, um, and I don't know that Utah really like it, it, if you're punting from the fifty or the the your opponent's forty yard line and you can only get it thirty yards, like that's kind of perfect, you know. So uh, I'm curious. I don't know that it really, um, really has that much of an impact, you know, in, in terms of their decision making. But maybe it does, and and maybe. Maybe what it does is it gives them more opportunity to develop some fakes and or think outside the box in terms of their punting. Although I kind of I, uh, I wonder about that one. Uh, chiming in here, good friend of the program, a very active participant in our Q&A at u 22 asks two questions. What are the top five greatest wit quotes and how would you grade Wit's coaching tree? Uh, if we're talking about like all time quotes, oh boy, I'm going to open that one up to everyone to discuss on Twitter tomorrow. Uh, if we're talking like five witticisms, it's got to be in our estimation, uh, is one of them. I think that's probably five. Number one has to be throw game, right? Like number one is throw game. Uh, number two is probably, Oh, I'm going to say in our estimation, it might be number two. Um, man, see, I can't think of any now cause I'm on the spot. But there's a few out there. Um, nice leather pants, maybe. Like uh, This is a tough one. We're going to throw that one out to Twitter, so we'll let you guys kick that one around. Um, can you count flipping off Joe Glenn or Joe Glenn flipping you off? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if you can, it's got to be out there somewhere. Second part of that, how would you rate wits coaching tree? Very highly. Uh, I think it's very obvious that Kyle Whittingham knows what he's doing. I once heard somebody say that Andy Reid said that his his job is to train his coaches during the season uh, to be better coaches. I do feel like a lot of what Kyle Whittingham does now is because of that. And you can see it, that he has former players all over the place. Like, Jay Hill's staff is basically all Kyle Whittingham coached players. Um, You know, former staff, former players, joining the staff all the time. We saw that Kenneth Scott was up at the University of Utah for a little bit this past week. Um, You know, I think – getting an idea of of what he wanted to do in in regards to that. We've seen plenty of other players joining in the ranks, and I think a lot of that is due to Kyle Whittingham. So, anyways. All right, that's it for today's episode, a super long episode of the Locked on News podcast. Thank you, everybody, for joining me today. Uh, Reminder to catch the Locked on Bets podcast here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Betting on sports doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Daily Picks blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get podcasts. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked on Utes Send us an email, LockedOnUts at gmail.com, and follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you so much for joining us this week, everyone. Stay well, be well, do well. We will talk to you again on Monday. This has been the Locked on Utes podcast for... August what, August 13th, August 13th, 2021.